we are. Welcome back to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. You are watching today's show with me and Elijah Allen Blitz. Elijah, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Elijah is a virtual reality creator and director. He's actually been Emmy nominated, is a heck of a storyteller. And I can't wait to dive deep into virtual reality, the potential you see with that technology, the stories you want to tell, and just kind of what, what makes somebody a creative director uh, on that scope and scale. Right on, man. Let's do it. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Well, yeah, thanks for yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm super stoked. Um, a little bit nervous, which I love. It's a good feeling. So cool. yeah, for sure. Uh, that means something good's going to happen. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> Let, let's jump right in. Like, yeah. tell me, how did, how did you, you start out playing with virtual reality yourself before you realized I want to be creating in this medium? I remember it, it was like, I, I remember seeing a VR experience at uh, one of the TED conferences and it was Chris Milk's Evolution of Verse. I don't know if you've seen that, but you, it's, a, it's a piece, it's on YouTube. You can download it on your phone. You can, most people don't know this, by the way, you can watch VR on your phone. I promise, it's real. You can just you know, type it in on YouTube, 360 video. There's thousands of things. Anyway, uh, but I, I saw this VR experience, Evolution of Verse, and it wasn't that it was like the perfect experience or anything, but it showed me the potential. And I saw it and I just remember it was just like, okay, everything's different now. And it, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to dedicate my life to this. And this is what I'm going to do. It was just like, I know that this can change the world. And, and I, cause I also, I understand, you know, exponential growth and it's like, this is, this is what's going to happen. Um, so then later that year, I had an opportunity to go to Haiti and help with the VR experience that was being filmed down there. And after that, it was just like this snowball effect where people are like, Oh, you do VR. Da, 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 da. And they like, Within a year, I became the first VR director for Time Magazine, and I was working with Ken Burns, and we're, you know, we're doing all this cool stuff. So it was basically like the universe was guiding me, like, okay, you're, you're supposed to do this right now. Not that nice. forever or whatever, but like right now, do this. And then, so I, I got that message, and I, I listened. Sweet. This, this, is, this is my favorite part of all these conversations I'm having, is like when you're listening to the universe, and you're actually showing up, and you're, you're doing those like almost weird first steps in action like it's just so clear it just keeps happening yeah. right yeah it, 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 it's just follow the simple directions it's just Very like cool. it's that it's that easy yeah so tell us tell us a little bit about like your stance and stand on, on virtual reality because you've done you've done things with professional surfers you've done um things about history and and telling and giving people kind of an insight into like scenarios like holocaust like what what do you really think at the core of it is the fundamentally like transformative um element that we're accessing with virtual reality well the thing about it and there's a guy named jeremy balenson who's up at stanford he's done incredible research that's actually shown that we process these vr experiences like they're real like they actually happen to us so it's not something that i saw it's something that i went through and that's very powerful but like you know uncle ben says to peter parker and spider-man with great power comes great responsibility so you can really mess somebody up in a vr experience you know, I, I actually just, I'm finishing uh, this pilot episode for a VR series that I'm working on with Van Jones. And um, we're putting the viewer in someone else's shoes. Uh, so not to give too much of it away, but um, the first episode is about police brutality for African-Americans. And you're in this 12-year-old African-American boy's body. You're looking at, you see your own hands and your hands are of a different race or a different sex, you know, depending who you are. And in that experience, we, we, cho we chose a real story to base, off, base it off of, but we could have chosen something like Philando Castile, where, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, but he was someone that was recorded live and, you know, shot 
on camera basically by a cop in his car um with it with i think it was his girlfriend and his girlfriend's daughter in the back seat um so we could have done an experience that was very brutal and nasty and gnarly like that but we knew that that could actually give someone ptsd and that's not what we're trying to do with this medium and that's where you have to have that responsibility to know the power of what you're messing with got it so like it is transformational in itself because you're not just watching something you're actually immersed in an experience that your brain processes like real reality exactly when you're when your peripheral vision is taken up and your your mind some part of your mind says to you okay this is real like i'm I'm on this ledge, I'm doing this thing, whatever it is, this is real. Wow. Yeah. That is very much like Uncle Ben says and Peter, to Peter Parker, like with great power comes a very great response. All day, man. It's funny because like I've, I've like spoken on panels with like, you know, the head of like Fox and so many, all these big studios and stuff. And I always say that. I'm always like trying to throw that in there. Like you guys, like remember, like with great power comes great responsibility. We can, we can mess some people up here. You know, it's for real. Yeah. And this is also, I think what goes to everybody listening and everybody who's tuned in right, like right now is like, we're all superheroes on some degree or scale and claiming that power and claiming kind of um, that ability to express is really what it's all about is, is empowering and encouraging uniqueness and letting that come out and letting that really um, like maybe not go wild, but letting it really be loud. So yeah. how give us a little bit more about like your, your private journey. Like how is your everyday life lo looking like? I know you're in LA um, what's your like routine or your daily practice that gets you into this flow of being, um, a creator of being, um, at like the forefront of your own creativity? It's a great question. Um, you know, I think it starts for me with taking care of your earth suit, you know, like this physical body that I, you know, traveled on this planet with. And so exercising, you know, paying really close attention to what I put in to fuel because that ends up affecting everything and every aspect of what I do and how I express myself. Um, I don't know, simple stuff like drinking a lot of water, you know, that. so I think in a real way, it really does start there. Because um, then once you once you get that tuned in, then you're able to tune into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and follow, like we were saying earlier, follow those simple directions from the universe, you know, so that's a that's a really important thing. Um, I mean, if you're asking, you know, for my, my own practice or yeah, like, I guess right, my, yeah. yeah, my own way, it's like, uh, I, I really, uh, a dear friend of mine is a woman named Byron Katie mm -hmm. and she has a process called the work and it's just four questions that you question your thoughts. Basically that's it. Um, and I, that, that I've been, you know, working with her and doing loving that work. What is, for, right? That's her. Loving that, what is that? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a great book that she says so she wrote. Um, the thing is, is like, you know, the first of her four questions is just, is it true? So it's just the, just to be able to ask, is it true to something that you think is very helpful, even to know that you have that option. Cause most people go through life just, if I think it, that's real, you know, and then that's my belief and I act on it and that's my reality. But it's like, no, there's an option. You, you don't have to believe everything you think. And so it's just, yeah, just, just having that in my head and being able to operate from that place of like, of questioning what I think is very helpful. Powerful. I think that's, that's incredibly uh, responsible actually, because there are a lot of thoughts that are crossing my head every day. And sometimes I, I attach belief or credibility to my thoughts because I think they're my thoughts. And then I later realize, yeah, no, I just totally just 
didn't check myself, didn't know myself well enough. And this is kind of a process over the years for me personally, that's like becoming clearer and clearer with just stepping into more honesty and, and checking in. I love Byron Katie's work. I just recently actually came across her book. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, it's just, good. Yeah, like, it's really good. There's a few of them without yeah, loving what is like the starting one where she just explains it. Um, yeah, she, she actually said to me one time to your point where you were just saying, it's like, if you are the one thinking your thoughts, then who's the one listening to them? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's a question. <laughs> yeah. Very powerful. Okay. So that's yeah. a, that's a daily practice. Like you've made this kind of like know thyself. Um, to some, to some extent. Yourself. Yeah. Like it's just, I've just done, I've been doing it for a long time, like over 10 years, you know, that I've known her. And so it's just kind of in my head. Mm -hmm. And if something gets really messed up and there's somebody or something I'm having a problem with, like I will, I'll write my thoughts down and go through a worksheet as she called it and, you know, question my thoughts. But mostly it's just kind of that thing in my head where it's just like, wait, is that true? You know, is that real? For real? Like, nah, not really. And so that just, that, that's, that's there. It takes off the pressure and instantly you're free to actually follow what is. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even true. Why, why am I stressing about it? It's not even real. Like that's <laughs> is crazy man it's the human mind i love it because most people are like well you know i usually wake up first thing i do is i meditate or like i drink a smoothie or and <laughs> not, not that there's anything right or wrong with any of these answers yeah, yeah. But you're yeah. just cutting through all the bullshit and, and like yep check check yourself like yeah for sure for know sure. thyself and if not like you can't even follow the steps of the universe so for everyone listening is like yeah of course of course i'm not the one thinking my thoughts like i think that's step one but then step two really is to like apply it every day and I'm, right. I'm seeing how that has like unriddled a lot of uh, self-created riddles in my life for sure, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the mind, <laughs> the, you know, the human mind or the mind or whatever consciousness, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's just it's an amazing thing. But it's, I, think, uh, I think we're all in it together. So, so give us a little bit more about like th this journey you're on then. So you, you found VR, you followed it along, you have these like, this daily way of checking in with yourself, um, if it's inspired by Peter Parker or, or by Byron Katie, like, yep. like being responsible for who we are, like actually showing up with full responsibility, checking in. Um, how does that empower you? Or how are you like able to, to create on such a great scale? Like I said it in the beginning, you've, you've been nominated for an Emmy before. Your stories have touched like millions, if not hundreds of millions of people. Like um, what, what's your magic, man? What's the secret behind all that? Oh, well, well, the the two things you just said were pretty, I mean, the, the Emmy and the like the 100 million viewers thing like that, that was, that was just luck. That was some lucky shit. Both of those were super lucky. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. Like the Emmy thing, I didn't even know that I got nominated. I, I had people starting to text me like, congratulations. And I was like, oh, nice. What? Yeah, for what? <laughs> like, like, am I on camera like, right now? For Emmy. I was like, whoa, whoa, really? Like, nice. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, and then the other thing, too, there was, I, you know, the 100 million viewer thing. It was uh, for that Ken Burns project we did. We, um, it, was, it was a piece that Ken had directed with a friend of mine named Artemis Tchaikovsky uh, about the Holocaust. And uh, we were able to film a Holocaust survivor watching a recreation of her rescue in VR and anyway it's, it's worth checking out it's a, there's a video online it's only like a minute and a half um but we did this thing and that drove traffic to the film and ended up getting 40 percent of the media impressions for the actual PBS film which ended up being about 400 million um what do they call it uh media impressions um 
Yeah. So anyway, so, but like, I, but again, like I, I was on some conference call with them and they're all stoked. That, well, we got the thing and the numbers are back and we're saying this. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. You know, so the, the magic, I, I don't know if there, if there is any magic to it. There's a, there's a, I don't know. I, I, there, there's lots of things that are coming to mind, but you know, there, there's something to do with rigorous honesty where you just like everyone involved. It's like, is this really, important is this i mean is this something we all want to be doing and believe in would be doing it if we weren't making money um and, and also it, yeah just just the the heart of it like i feel like you know somewhere you know with whatever you're working on whatever you're doing you know if you feel alignment with it and you feel like your heart's in the right place and you feel like what you're doing it's just kind of moving seamlessly fluidly to the next step and you're just you're in the flow you know very cool yeah, so, and so, I, the flow states I think are actually a really important part of of all of this, and it, it kind of seems weird because the piece that I was actually nominated for was a piece with Laird Hamilton, uh, a VR experience where we filmed him riding the longest wave in the world uh, down in Peru, and so it's like interesting to go from like Laird Hamilton to like you know working with Ken Burns about the Holocaust, mm. but to me they're they're and then you know this Van Jones thing where we're creating empathy for other people, but they all to in inside of me it might not look at on the outside but inside of me they're all very connected especially this idea with the layered thing about putting people into the flow state and putting you know creating something that actually triggers that and, and the experience we did in Peru was just kind of the tip of the iceberg but Laird and I are working on another piece now where it's actually a ride where you're standing on a haptic surfboard that means it, it moves and vibrates and you're you're kind of you're wearing a, a life vest and you're tethered to the ceiling so you can't fall and you have the goggles on and you're dropping in on a hundred foot waves, you know, and you can turn right and left. You can surf this thing a hundred foot wave. That's, that's what Larry does. I think Larry's actually in quiet right now. There's a swell. I think he's riding like 50 foot, at least 50 foot waves today. Like that's, that's happening right now. For, all, uh, for was, everyone who is skeptic, who's like, well, why do I need VR to ride a wave? Like, this is why, because I don't think you're ready for a hundred foot wave. No, no, there's, <laughs> I mean, there, there's not, I mean, there's a handful of people in the world that could even, would, would even attempt it. That doesn't mean right. the one that would attempt it would even survive. Um, but but yeah, so that's an experience because if there are consequences and like there will be in this, we know where you'll fall because you have water blowing your real water and wind blowing at you. So you feel like, you know, you're in this thing. It's again, mm -hmm. tricking your brain just to another degree. And if, if your brain really believes that you're in this thing, like we were talking about earlier, taking up your peripheral vision, where you're dropping in on this wave, there is this fight or flight thing that happens. Yeah. And if, when that when that occurs, this is uh, Stephen Kotler's book. It's called The Rise of Superman. And it's all about these flow states that these extreme sports athletes are getting into. And when that happens, you just go into that zone and you can call it the zone. It's like jazz musicians, you know, being in the pocket, you know, or improv artists, whatever it is, it, it's the flow. That's the scientific term for it. And they actually, this is interesting. It's kind of a tangent, but it's all, it, I don't know, again, in my head, it's all connected. But the, the, the scientific term for it is transient hypofrontality. And the, I'll break that down because it sounds kind of complex, but what that means, transient hypofrontality where we think that if you're in this state where everything's happening you're working you're doing all these things to your max it's like you think your brain must be doing more there must be so much activity where actually the activity during in your brain during flow states is totally shut down and your prefrontal cortex actually dims the activity kind of quiets down and you are just present so transient hypofrontality hypo meaning the opposite of hyper and then frontality because it's the prefrontal cortex. So it's like your inner critic is quiet and you are just like in the moment, in the zone, in the flow, doing whatever it is to do. Because 
this is it's something we develop you know through evolution because it's like you do this right or you die and so if we can simulate right. something like that where because most people are never going to experience anything like that in their lives you know but if 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 we can, because you, you don't want to do that, you know what I mean? You don't want to put yourself in a position on a regular basis where you might die. But if we can do something where it actually tricks your brain to think you might die, and we can put you into that, where your body starts producing all these neurochemicals, and we can put you into a flow state, I think that's going to be very beneficial for people, even if they work in an office. You know, that's going to be like, where you're just, you come out of that thing, and you're, you're in the zone. You're totally awake. You're hyper-present. Everything is alert. You're tuned into everything. Get stuff done. They, they did some study with Fortune 500 uh, companies where the CEOs were able. I think they were they were I think a hundred times more productive or something crazy. Like the numbers on this stuff, the, what they've studied is just it's it's off the charts. What people are able to do when they're in these states, when they're in this flow state, when you're not actually sure. observing all the options and trying to get there logically, but you're just like feeling the clarity of kind of transcending this this prefrontal cortex heavy exactly. way of living. Very cool, dude. Like I, I, I actually see the connection between like what you did with Laird and flow and then empathy and, and putting people into like um, kind of the, the opposite of privilege, right? Into unprivileged situations to make them feel and experience it. But even with history That's and cool letting people experience like the depth of, of like pivotal points in history. You yeah. know, the reason why I mentioned that you actually have been nominated for an Emmy other than that I want to congratulate you because that's fucking rad. Um, <laughs> and that you have already touched um, hundreds of millions of people. I think the reason why I'm bringing it up in this show here and today is what do you see possible through an immersive experience like virtual reality and many of the problems we're facing in the world, like intolerance, bigotry, right? Like, like climate change, like the disaster we've havoc on our, on our earth. Like, what do you see possible when we're actually able to not just kind of, um, distract people with media. That's why I'm like going over the camera, not just like, yeah, sending people a certain direction, but having people viscerally experiencing, having possibly have experiences that almost every human being is able to experience and therefore transcend their own consciousness. Like, what do you see becomes possible? Uh, anything, anything. You could, do, you could do anything, you could be anyone, you can go anywhere. Um, you know, I have this idea specifically about climate change mm. that, it's a little controversial, but, but I'll just say it because I think it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you have, I think it's like 40% of the United States right now that is obese. And there's an insane percentage of the, of, of the obese population that is into like, you know, four or 500 pounds plus where it's just, it's uncomfortable for them to, to you know, walk out of their house. And th there are ways. I, I don't know. I think we'll develop ways for, you know, people, any, even, even in, in hospitals, anyone that, that is, is you know, my, my mom is actually pretty sick right now. She's not having a good time going out in any capacity. And it's like, we just put her into a VR world. It's not there yet, but when the VR technology gets to a place where we have 8k resolution headsets and haptics and smells and sense of touch, all this stuff where you really can't tell the difference between this and real life. It's like, there are so many people that would prefer to live inside of these headsets. And, you know, in, in um, Ready Player One, it was kind of like a dystopian thing, you know, in Steven Spielberg's movie. And there was a great book that I highly recommend the book as well. Um, but it, it, it doesn't have to be dystopian where people can live inside of these virtual worlds because it's more comfortable for them. It's better for them. And, and in some cases, it can be better for the planet, too, where you don't have all these people driving around on the roads having to go get food or do whatever. And it's just like if some people would prefer to live inside of these virtual worlds as their actual life, because 
for whatever reason they've they're in, in such an uncomfortable place. I think that will be an incredibly beneficial thing. Um, Interesting. But but honestly, I don't think there's going to be many aspects of our lives that VR won't affect eventually. You know. What is the idea on climate change that you you said you uh, you you have this vision? Well, Think about it. Plug, plug, it's, it's plug them into the matrix. I mean, that's what that's what's happening. Like all, all the anybody that doesn't want to leave their house, you feed them intravenously, or they can feed themselves intravenously, or whatever it is. You don't need to be going out. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's there's no gas spent in the car. There's no you know any. I, I just see the the human imprint, oh, the human impact and their their footprint going down. Also, then you Got can it. get into stuff about about meetings. Like right now we're doing pretty cool with the with the FaceTime and over the thing we're having the Skype, whatever. But like some people really need in-person meetings. You know, like some people have to fly to Tokyo for the big business meeting. And and once you get VR dialed in where they have eye tracking technology, you can tell where the eye is looking in the VR experience. You can feel like you're making real eye contact with the digital hologram that looks completely photorealistic. Mm. There's, there's no need to, to fly in, in jets viewing all that stuff into the atmosphere. It's like, you're just going to put on your thing. You're going to be right there in the room with the people having a full on conversation. You know, you'll be able to feel you know, the air in the room and what, you know, whatever else. So just stuff like that. I feel like that that'll start to add up as, you know, the, the, it's the a very interesting world about. you're describing because the realm of possibilities is, is it's such a vast difference to where most people are living right now. And I guess like yeah. it opens up this complete like philosophical Pandora's box of like, um, is it more worthy to live in the body or are we already living in a holographic projection? Um, so like that, yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't, that's a good question. We, we don't we don't truly <laughs> really know, that is very true. And we, we definitely don't know. I think we are in 2018 at, at the end of this year where we still do not have a scientific explanation for what consciousness is. So I think- No, and there's very, very smart people that think that we are living in some sort of hologram or, or you know, like Elon's thing, it's, you know, that this already is a VR experience. Yeah. It's, it's all possible, but that regardless of any of those things being true or not true, that doesn't mean that we, we're off the hook to not take care of the environment. You know what I mean? I feel like we still gotta. This is the one universal law that I've just observed in my life, my experience on this planet or whatever. It's like what you put out is what you get back. Mm -hmm. Period. You know, and that's that affects everything, single thing you eat, do, talk, sleep, think, all of it. You know you're we i am responsible for me and everything that i that i do and and all of it somehow comes basically you get away with nothing is what i've just come to experience because all comes back to you in a different form of, of wave right like if you're thinking oh. and feeling and being it it comes back to you as this this reality that you've kind of uh, summoned or, or projected in, in in your hologram we I, just you just create it i mean whatever it is yeah. it's like you you create it and it you you just you get away with nothing you know what I mean? Like there's all these things. Oh, I can have the cheat meal. I can do the thing. I can, I can like say this. I can think this. I can flip this person off. It's like, no, it's all coming back. It's I mean, whether that's because it's a hologram and it's all reflected or whether that's just the nature of the universe or it's karma or whatever. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I know why, but I've just observed that as a pretty much fact that it just comes back. You're not going to get away with anything. I think that for better or for worse. And I think that can be a very good, beautiful thing when you really come to fully embrace that. Very interesting. I, I love your perspective on that. And it certainly will make, uh, will make people think and reflect. And it does the same to me right now, because I'm, I'm not sure um, how deep we could get lost in this philosophical hole of like, what right. kind of reality we live in. But I, I agree with you. Like, right. it, it is absolutely real in my observation as well, that what you what you put out, uh, you receive, right? Like, 
Um, it's it's certainly a, a universal truth and from where I stand. Let's let's switch it up like a little bit. I'd love to to dig in a, a little bit more into you. Like when you hear a word like happiness, right? Like we, we you live in the United States of America, you you're aware of like the pursuit of happiness, but like make it very personally personal. What is happiness to you? You know, what, what immediately comes to mind is um, what my friend Laird says is, uh, is contentment. Mm -hmm. You know, happiness can be fleeting or it can be like the dopamine rush or like you got the job or you didn't get the thing or you did or, you know, but there's, there's a, if there's an underlying sense and deep rooted, true feeling of contentment, that's real happiness because you know, that there's a line, I think it's actually in a public enemy song and it says, don't let a win go to your head or a loss to your heart. And so it's like, the thing's going to go up and down, whatever you're going to do, there's going to be good times and bad times. And it's just going to keep going up and down whatever that is. But if there's this underlying, like true deep sense of contentment in who you are, what you do, you know, your contribution to your family, friends, the world, life, whatever. I, I think that's, I like that. that. That seems more, more appealing in some ways than like happiness. Cause happiness can just be like super stoked. And it was an awesome day and this great stuff happened and I got the thing and everything worked out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's cool, but it's, it's, it's on the surface. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, it can be fleeting where that, that contentment is more like, I feel like tapped in with a deeper feeling of what it actually means to be alive. Nice. Yeah. Like resonating at contentment, no matter what, what kind of uh, cards you're, you're receiving on the, on the day. Kind of. Yeah. 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 That's, that's really cool. Um, I have another question for you. So yeah, I mean, yeah. earlier you already said like rigorous honesty and like hard alignment are like two of the like lessons from which you, what, what you've learned, what you've picked up from life and what you're kind of navigating by. Is there like another another piece or either a piece of wisdom or like another lesson that you've learned working with like amazing people uh, working on amazing projects like what, what are like the three takeaways i guess and then if honesty and hard alignment are already two of them like what what's another piece that, that you you feel called to share interesting uh and like what category i guess what i'm most interested in is like how did it make you who you are Right. And how does it enable and empower you to show up as who you are and create what you create? Because what I'm realizing is that all of us, including myself, we go through these phases. You just said it with happiness or contentment, right? Like some days are fucking off the hook and everything works out and you're feeling on top of the world. You get nominated, you get prizes, you get whatever you, you dreamt of. And other days, you know that it's, it's um, just part of, of being alive, but you're on a, another side of, of the spectrum, maybe. Right. For sure. So what I'm asking is, through the polarity or the cause uh, and effect or the ebb and flow of life? Like what are the lessons that you've learned from elders, from wise people around you in projects that really help you navigate no matter which, which stage you're in? Well, I think that the, the biggest lesson is actually what we were saying just a little bit ago is, is that you get away with nothing. Mm. You know, like I can't, I can't say that enough. Like that's just, I, I, for me, I think that that's the most distilled version because if you really own that, on every level, no exceptions. Yeah, yeah. You get away with nothing. That's fucking incredible. I mean, that is like the most empowering thing 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, it's funny because you're saying it in a way that almost triggers me. I'm like, what do you mean I get away with nothing? But nothing. again, like it's so empowering because it's like yeah. everything yeah. I do will ripple yeah. back to me if I like but, it. But for, for good, for good and for, for worse, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's like, you know, when they, it's, it's that law of attraction. It's the visualization thing. It's just, it's, it's all that. And well, I you're basically think, saying yeah. law of attraction doesn't differentiate between you liking what you're attracting or you not liking what you're attracting. You'll just get back no. to what you're attracting. Totally. It, 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 but, but like when people talk about the law of attraction and there's all that stuff about the secret or whatever the thing is, it's like, no, you know, that goes either way and you are completely responsible for it. And that happens on a, I, I, this was something really cool. I remember um, Katie, back to Byron Katie, she said to me, every thought is a vote in consciousness of, of humanity and what direction we're going to take. It's like when you see a school of fish, every single little flap of the tail of every single member of the entire school, there's no one fish leading the school of fish. Every single fish in the school, every time they flap their tail, it's a vote in the direction that the whole school is going to go. They're all paying attention to each other. They're all totally synced up. Same thing with a flock of birds flapping their wings. And with humans, it's thoughts. And so every single thought is a vote in consciousness about the direction that we're going. So, you know, that, that goes back to saying you, you get away with nothing, even down to the level of what you think. You know, I have this thought in my head and I'm like, oh, and you know, that, uh, another thing that, um, that's uh, that I've, she says that i've observed is think feel act have where you think it think feel, if, act, you, act. You, the thought comes in so you think it or you it, it, your thought your or its thought or whatever you want to call it the thought comes in you feel the result of that thought for it's a good feeling or it's a bad feeling and you're you got anger whatever it is you to think and you feel and then if you feel that because you're believing the thought then you act on that thought and you act on that feeling of anger or love or whatever it is. And then you have it as your reality, but it starts with the thought. So think, feel, act, have, and it all, everything we just were saying, it's all connected with that. Very cool. I, I love that uh, kind of the tool to navigate, think, yeah. feel, act and have. I, I like how you're like kind of breaking apart these, these, um, these lessons, like, being aligned in the heart, which kind of gives you access to purpose, right? And then also like law of attraction going e either way. I think this is the, the truth that's left out in a lot of, um, well, maybe not in the core of a lot of teachings, but in a lot of repetitions on, of teachings that we can see all over the internet is like, oh, right. just visualize it and you'll get it. Well, that's a part of it, right? <laughs> totally. Well, and the other thing that always like trips me up about like the secret and stuff like that. Like if you watch that movie or like, I haven't read the book, but the, the movie of the secret was like, everything was like, you have the power of the universe. You can create whatever you want. So create a car and a house and more money. And it's like not one time in that whole thing did anybody say, if you have the power to create whatever you want, how about world peace? How about like feed everyone on the planet? Like, you know what I Nobody, <laughs> I was just like, what, what? Are you serious? You Nobody can get like, the Beamer that you wanted. Yeah, you can do anything you want. So get a Ferrari. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, this, this, is, this is certainly still boggling my mind as well on my inside, as well on the outside. Like, like how come that we have this creational power flow through us? Like literally how you started this episode. We, we're we're Spider-Man. We have this great power. We have this great responsibility. And yet 
our our minds still love circling back around like material possessions and i mean nothing wrong with them but like how, how come this totally. is like the it, focus of it, our it's not the only thing you know and it's like it's like okay maybe like go get the ferrari and then save the world you know but it's it just like just the fact that nobody addresses it it's like okay that we gotta we gotta talk guys you know like there's just there's other yeah. things here well I have, I have another question and you touched on it a little bit earlier so maybe it it'll make it easier to to answer but i'm so curious uh about creating a more transparent understanding of the word purpose and what purpose truly means so like in your own words in your own way of going about it what what is purpose and how does one uncover it this just came in my head right now when you asked it's, it's like a sense of contribution doing something you love to do you know, I, I feel like that sense of contribution is so huge. If you if you feel like you're actually contributing, because it's it's in our genes, like at a cellular level, like I'm contributing to the tribe. You know, you're telling your genes, I'm I'm worth keeping around. You know what I mean? Don't give me cancer because I'm gonna benefit. I'm I'm gonna be a benefit to the tribe. Like mm -hmm. I think it's Tony Robbins or somebody says something to the effect of like life creates more life. Life feeds on life. So if you're doing stuff that helps more things have life. That, you know, you're going to get rewarded and life will want to keep you around, you know, so that sense of contribution, do it selfishly or, or do, it, do it for the collective, you know, but it's all, it's, it's all connected. Cool. Very powerful. Yeah. I have one more question before we, we're kind of wrapping this conversation already. And I, I told it to you initially, so you're not just like, oh my God, this is huge. This is the question, how I started this podcast and I'm not looking for right or wrong answers. I'm just looking for like an honest reflection. What got me thinking, man, was is this idea of like, wow, we have, we have a shared responsibility on this planet and somehow we're still operating in these like very uh, fractured, fragmentalized like ways of operating with like three to four year economic plans. But what if we flipped all this? And we said, as a shared humanity, we had a 200-year vision for what planet Earth, what Mother Gaia will become, and what our, the role our consciousness plays within that. And it doesn't need to be 200 years. 50 to 100 years are also quite far out nah. there, probably yeah. longer than most people's lifespan. But what's your puzzle piece in it? Like, What do you feel um, is an Earth vision that, that you're tapping into? Uh, you know, for me, I, I've always gotten a really clear you know, feeling of resonating with the idea of using technology to help elevate consciousness, you know, because I really see our technology, the, what we're doing right now, talking through the phones, like, you know, screen to screen, I can see you as we're talking here across mm -hmm. the world. You know, it's this, it, the, the technology is increasing and evolving exponentially and just doubling upon itself, you know, where it's like, if you don't understand exponential growth, I recommend anybody hearing this, like, get familiar with it because that's what's happening. You know, that this is, this is affecting every aspect of our lives. Totally. I think literally. Um, so, so I've, I've seen, I noticed that and I get that and I have a, not a great understanding, but I have a pretty good understanding of how that is and you know, where that's going. And I also see that our consciousness is evolving linearly, you know, where it's one, two, three, four, instead of one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, you know, uh, and so I'm really interested and I don't know exactly how we're doing this, but something, I think it's so important to somehow, for lack of a better word, digitize consciousness, 
And so we can get our consciousness on some sort of exponential growth curve where we're going, you know, 32, 64, blah, 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 for, for our consciousness and the way that we're, because all this stuff, these are all just tools, you know, and the great saying is you can build it, you can use a hammer to build a bridge or bash someone in the head. Yeah. And it's like, we, we, our tools are getting so much more powerful exponentially. So, and our consciousness is not, it's linearly. So how do we get our consciousness evolving at an exponential growth rate? At, that's something I'm very interested in. So when you ask about, you know, even 20 years out in the future, it's crazy. Um, there, there is that it goes back to that the thing that we we're just talking about of you know you get away with nothing and, and just being completely aware of all your reactions because if all of us are doing that and realizing that what we put out is what we get back yeah it's going to change a lot of things about how we treat each other and react you know around those of us who maybe have less than others do um yeah so so you know i, I don't know i don't have a a a vision in the sense of like how specifically to transform society because that's part of the fun is like it's like a surprise and we're kind of co-creating this together and maybe what's about to happen has never been seen before in the history of the universe you know so that and also like there's some of the stuff is just there's no way to predict this thing you know it, like if you told me in 2006 that this iphone thing was coming yeah. and it was kind of like <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, yeah. it's funny to see. It's funny to see like futuristic movies from the early two thousands, like Minority Report and stuff, where they have. It's funny. I don't know. We're we're talking about the future stuff, so this seems to be applicable. But it, you know, in, in Minority Report, they have the most. You know, these self driving cars and the technology is amazing, and every so many things are right about that movie. You know, they spent so much time and money researching with the most advanced futurists mm. to create what this world in the future was going to look like and make it so accurate to the way that we inject drugs and all these things that are so awesome and well thought out. None of them thought or even considered the iPhone. The phones that they're talking on are little like Bluetooth earbuds and they're like, right. oh, hello. Da, da, da. And it's like, what I'm talking to you on now is more complex than anything in Minority Report. But that's crazy. <laughs> so that's, I, that's I, I, I say that to say that we really don't know. And, and if, we can, if we can keep our consciousness evolving at the greatest rate possible, and if we can also, you know, remember that what we put out every single moment and every second of every day is what we get back, I think we're, we'd be doing pretty good. Nice. I, yeah. I, I love that, man. I, I love this, this uh, alignment of our consciousness and evolution instead of fighting every piece of our reality, like the technology or like the issues that we're having. Thank you so much for for taking the time. And yeah, you're right. They are tools. Is there anything else you want to share? Anything you feel called to Uh, maybe where people can find your work? Um, Like a little shout out to yourself there. Um, I I, I don't even know. Most of my stuff is on the time magazine app. I have a lot of projects up there. Um, uh, I mean, if you just Google my name, Elijah Allen Blitz, I'm sure I'd like I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, I, I guess that's stuff too. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know though, but, uh, yeah, if you Google my name in VR, I'm sure you can find some stuff. I think we have a lot of those projects on YouTube as well. So it's all free. Um, something, this, I said this in the beginning, but it's amazing how many people don't know this, that your phone is a completely legitimate VR playing device or 360 video at least you know yeah. you can watch a 360 video on your phone with or without glasses do i need like a cardboard box for it or how? you don't 
You don't? You don't. You could You could use – there's an option on YouTube, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you pull up a 360 video and you can hold the phone and kind of like look around like this and be like, oh, wow, I see it. Or you, there's a little like goggle option down at the bottom and you can click that and it split screens it. And then you put the phone, once it's split, into the cardboard goggles and then you put that on your face and you can be fully immersed. Really cool. Anyway, it's it's it's, so it's people, in, and that technology is going to be out of date in the next few years. Check out more 360 videos on YouTube and uh, make, sure, make sure you Google <laughs> just know, it. Just know, just know you have the option. Just know you have the option. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of course, man. It's great to see you. you enjoy this episode of green planet blue planet podcast and if so make sure to hit like or share the episode with someone you love wherever you are in the world today have yourself a stellar day